0: You're listening to the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast, where we talk about hunting, politics, sports, and everything in between. Now, here's your host, Steve West. Hey, welcome to episode four of the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast. I'm joined here in the studio by Travis Price. Uh, Travis Price is a hunting consultant here at our office for Steve's Outdoor Adventures. And every single day of our lives, we actually talk to hunters like Every day, Travis more like so me. Yeah, like, for real, yeah. We, <laughs> we actually talk hunting all day long yeah. to people hunting, fishing, adventures. No matter where we go, we're always, um, you know, talking to people about what it is that we do for a living because everyone wants to talk to us about hunting and fishing. And one of the things that we wanted to chat with everybody today, or I guess talk to each other about, was uh, you know, spring bear hunting, right? Like, it's right around the corner. This is mid March. I know that we're getting ready right now. Yeah, like the I'm, snow's starting to recede, not fast enough for me, but it's there, you <laughs> yeah. know. And um yeah, but, not only turkey hunting and some other
1: things, but spring bears right around the corner.
0: Yeah, I mean turkey hunting's okay, but if you have a choice on April 15th of going turkey hunting or bear hunting, what are you doing? I'm picking bear, but I do enjoy turkey hunting, but I will pick bear. I know you like turkey hunting, but yeah. I mean honestly, like bear hunting, especially if it was like the difference between going turkey hunting or grizzly bear hunting, yeah. It's a no brainer. No right? brainer. There's a lot of people out there who love turkey hunting and I'm absolutely not hacking on them in any way, shape or form, but I could never choose turkey hunting over bear hunting. No. At, at any bear. At hunting. any point. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, panda bear hunting, if I could, anything but turkey hunting and that, you know, is it's that time of year we're getting ready to go different places. We're talking to people about the trips that are upcoming. Obviously right now we're still trying to figure out is the Canadian border going to yep. open or not, but You know, we made a decision a little bit ago after talking to Scott Ellis and to our partners in Canada to just call it, you know, no spring season, have people told straight up that this is what's most likely going to happen. Just make the
1: call and just move forward. And people can plan their lives going forward and not be waiting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, and the reality is that come the 1st of April, if you're an outfitter and you're running, let's say a baited operation in Saskatchewan, you have to be spending thousands of dollars every week in fuel and supplies, baiting. You got to start baiting the first week in April because at the end of April, you've got customers coming, right? The hunters roll into camp. They can't roll into baits that haven't been baited. You've got to be on established baits starting in early April. Yep. Those bears are on a pattern. You've got to be feeding them as soon as they come out of their dens. Yep. And there's a lot of work and a lot of expense that goes into that. Well, it's and not just that. It's hiring people,
1: right? You have guides, you have cooks in camp. you got to take time off their real jobs. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're nine to fivers. Yep. yep. I mean, gas, fuel, all kinds of stuff that you have to prepare, food to, to
0: feed the hunters. I mean, it's just not, let's just go hunting. It doesn't work that way. No, there's a tremendous expense that goes into running those bear hunts before the first hunter ever shows up. And so a decision had to be made now, you know, are we going to, you know, hold out to the last second to take a bear hunter. The reality is the answer is no. No. I mean, it just wouldn't be fair because if these guys spent thousands of dollars through the month of April baiting and the spring bear season didn't open in time for the hunters to show up May 1st, it would have been real bad for the outfitters. And it's already been bad enough that they lost the entire 2020 spring and fall seasons. Now they're losing the 2021 spring season. We just got to pray that they get the fall 2021 season in. Yep. And then we can move forward. Without a doubt. And before we go any further, Steve, yeah, there's something different about this
1: specific podcast number four that sure. I've just got to take a quick time out yeah. and just tell you how awesome and unbelievable this table is that we're sitting at today. Uh, I call the table
0: Clark right? table Clark. The, well, I mean, I call the table. Clark. Oh, Clark. Yeah, yeah. This, this is Clark. This is Clark. And, and I'm not talking about like Clark. Hey, Clark, the shitter's full. This <laughs> it's not that Clark, you know, this yeah. isn't national lampoons table. So what is this then? So, um, the gentleman that made this, um, he Russell designs. Um, I told him I really wanted to have a table that reminded me of Lake Clark in Alaska. You know, it, um, there's a special community there, Port Allsworth. Um, I've gone there a number of times now over the years, yep. Lake Clark has a very special bluish green, almost glacial silt color to it mm-hmm. in Alaska, uh, in Alaska. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Port Allsworth, Alaska and Lake Clark's a special place to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a place that, I'll go back to number of times the rest of my life. Even if I never hunted another day, I would go back there. But you look at this, he matched the color, a lot of the shape. I mean, look, I mean, just the mark, just the, it's spectacular. Yeah. Marksmanship, whatever you want to call it on. This is just super impressive. I, you know, just sitting at it right now, this being the first podcast we've done sitting at Clark is, is pretty awesome. And you know, I, I look at it with a lot of, uh, Fond memories of Lake Clark and spe- speaking of Spring Bear, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the you know, and those memories, you know, they mean a lot to me. At the end of the at the end of my, you know, hunting career or whatever, it won't be the animals that I've got hanging on the wall that I remember. It'll be the people and the places. And this happens to be one of those really special places to me. Yeah. Very
1: well made. So, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Big shout out to all the folks up in Port Allsworth. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, I think of you guys all the time. Um, a lot of people around the world don't know it, but, you know, it is, it's a special community and, and Lake Clark is special. There's, there are people in the lake um, from plane crashes and other um, tragedies that, um, that we know, or we know their families. And, and uh, like I said, it's a very special place to a lot of people. And, and it's a place that's always in my heart. So yep. feel privileged to sit at the table. Yeah, welcome to Clark. Welcome to Clark. Welcome to Clark. Yeah. This is uh, the, Cl- I should just change it to the Clark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but uh, you know, you know, talking, going back to the spring bear topic um, now that we've announced this glorious table, you know, um, and thank you for, for noticing. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not? Yeah. No joke. Um, so there's three types of spring bear hunts out there that you can do. There's a spot and stock hunting, yep. which like in Montana. Um, British Columbia, Mm -hmm. you know, places like that, Alaska, well, Alaska, you can hunt over bait too, but Alaska is generally more spot and stock. You're typically spotting bears on mountainsides, river bottoms, valleys, shorelines, wherever they might be. Right. And then you're stalking them to get within gun range. Um, That's my favorite type of black bear hunting. Right. Um, Another very popular, in fact, probably the most popular method of hunting black bears is hunting over bait. Yep. Uh, Ground blinds or tree stands, ladder stands, or lock-ons, wherever they might be, um, you know, over uh, an attractant, I don't know, gosh, dog food with grease on it. I mean. All kinds of stuff. Pop-tarts. Anything sweet. Anything sweet. Skittles. (laughs) A lot of expired groceries go into bait barrels. Um, And then you let the bears, you know, come to you. Mm -hmm. And For archery hunters, that's definitely the most popular way. But I know a lot of our clients rifle hunt them over bait. And then there's hound hunting for bears. Yep. And. Um, That's not something that's as popular, but like um, North Carolina, Idaho, you know, places like that. There's still a tremendous uh, Utah, I believe still allows it. Um, there's still a tremendous following of people that that is how they want to go bear hunting. Um, Kyle Riley what, uh, out in Virginia, they love to hound hunt for bears out mm-hmm. there. I don't think he'd consider hunting them any other way because I mean, for people that are into dogs and and you know, it's not about putting a bear in a tree and just shooting it. It's about yep. watching the dogs work. Yep. Listening to the dogs bay. The it, it's it's something that stays with you. Like I I love to hunt mountain lions and the sound of the dogs hammering away. Yep. You there's know there's a whole it, element there that's outside of just the hunting, it's watching the dogs
1: work and Well,
0: whether you're chasing pheasants with a pointer, yep. or retrieving ducks out of a pond, you know, a Labrador um or Chesapeake Bay retriever or chasing lions with hounds or bears it's about appreciating the dogs and how much work they put in and, and things like that. So, um, you know, a lot of people think, well, they're just murderous hunters that want to throw it, you know, chase a a poor little bear mountain lion up a tree and murder it. No, that isn't it. It's, it's about the thrill of the chase. And for every one bear or lion that gets killed in a tree, there's probably five to 10 that get let loose that are just pursued. And you know, it's about the dogs. Um, But, you know, so spot and stock, hunting over bait, and then hound hunting for black bears. Yep. I mean, those are the three ways that we book our clients, and those are the best three ways to hunt bears. And
1: I think just to kind of spin off of that a little bit, in my opinion, you might be asking yourselves if you're watching or listening to the show is, and if you haven't done a black bear hunt before, even if you have, you're kind of thinking, well, what style might I want to do or what style might fit me the best? And when I'm talking to people that call Steve's Outdoor Adventures or call me and, and we're talking about putting together a black bear hunt. Um, if it's new to you or if you want it to be more controlled, if you have a limited range weapon, the baited hunts, in my opinion, are definitely a way to go. They're super controlled. Everything's coming to you. You're, you're in tight. You get to learn a lot, right? Because one of the hardest things, and I'm sure we'll get to it at some point if we're talking about bears today, is, is field judging and judging a shooter versus a non-shooter and age and you know, boar versus sal. We'll get into that. But when you're in tight... It's easier to become more educated in making the right decision on what what that would look like when it's right there and it's it's closer and you're not just kind of yeah falling around the environment and trying to figure it out. Well, right? there's a whole nother
0: mm-hmm. element to that. It's not even just judging the bears. Let's say you are out spot and stock hunting and you see a good sized bear in a clearing. You sneak up on it. You get there. You've got a, a fleeting opportunity maybe to get that shot. You pull the trigger. You kill it. And 30 feet away land in the weeds was a cub that you couldn't yep. see mm-hmm. when you're hunting over bait, the animals come in. You're able to see if a sow's got cubs, you're not in a hurry. You're not rushed. There's yep. you, you know, have more time. Yeah. You're, you're going to make fewer mistakes, especially if you're an inexperienced bear hunter, you're going to make fewer mistakes. When you're hunting over bait like that, yep. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's going to, those mistakes are going to be yep. further and f- far, further and fewer between. Yep. So. And the other thing with
1: baited hunts, you're usually in a blind or a stand and you're stable in your shot platform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you usually have a rest and you have all, the, usually a lot of time or all the time in the world and you can
0: make a really ethical shot. Without a doubt. You know, mm-hmm. in, in places to hunt bears over bait that we book our clients are like um, Alberta, you know, got Good folks up in Alberta, yep. Kyler and the boys, they yep. kick ass. Um, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's ours. our big one, though. Yep. I mean, we do a lot of business in Saskatchewan. There's a lot of bears. I mean, a lot of bears. And yep. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Have we ever had a client go up there and not get a bear? Man, I'd have to think real hard about it. If it, I don't think it happened.
1: Maybe one that got away with wounded, but maybe I'd be scratching it. It would be him. a wound
0: loss if it was. Yeah. but, but I, I, The I reality is it's, it'd
1: be, I don't know either.
0: Yeah, but I mean, so Alberta and Saskatchewan, that, that's our bread and butter, right, um, for baited black bear hunts. Well, with the Canadian border closed, we started working with one of our partners in Wyoming. He's got a wonderful backcountry area. Yep. Super stoked for your hunt coming up there. Yep. Travis is going to go up and open up some new camps with one of our partners, and we're going to start offering Wyoming baited bear hunts. Now, these are going to be a little bit different. I'm assuming he's going to set these baits up with you. So you're shooting like a hundred yards, yep, or 150, 100, 150
1: yards. yards, kind of ideally across Canyon. Yeah. Right. So you can see the bears approaching, um, not being super tight. And those bears are very wary. Cause I was talking to our partner out there actually this morning about it and kind of getting the game plan together. And those bears know if you're in tight and they come back in, they have them on camera, you know, and they'll, they're looking exactly where you were if you're in too tight. And so we want to get back a little bit, hundred hundred fifty 150 yards and, being able to uh you know, not get get busted by the bears and be able to watch them in and get a clean ethical shot and it's it's gonna be good you know, shooting across canyons, but not too far, that kind of thing. Right
0: on. We're gonna yep. have to put that bear hammer ammo in your hands yep. this year. But that, that two hundred grain yeah, A yeah, frame. Slammer. <laughs> yep. so, so yeah, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Wyoming. Once again, Idaho is a good place to go, but but really for us, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Wyoming for baited bear hunts. Um and I know that we're looking forward to things getting back to normal in, yep. in Canada. And, and of course, you know, with the Wyoming offerings, I'm real excited about that. Mm-hmm. You know, judging bears at a bait site, I mean, you brought that up, you know, we were talking about controlled environments, stuff like that hunting over bait allows you to run trail cameras. Yep. You got a good idea. Bears are creatures of habit. If a big bear is eating a bait, you're going to know it. You're going to be able to see them on the trail cameras. You're going to know about what, you know, they always come late afternoon evening usually anyway unless yep. there's some almost all room the, cycling, yeah. the or in the late afternoons yeah you know and but it gives you an idea of what's coming into that bait and what to hold out for um, but let's say you've got a bait barrel you're talking about judging bears everybody says oh little ears on the side of the head you know things of that nature but if you have a 50 gallon drum there yep and a bear walks up to it you now have something significant yep. to judge that bear off of yep before you've gone in your stand, you've walked up to this barrel. You know how big the barrel is. And when a bear walks up and sits next to it, you have that there's measuring a tool. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a measuring stick. And there's several other ones that can be used, but the barrel
1: is a, a big one. And it's usually secured where it's not going to move around for the most part. And so you're that's a very good judging. But you can have sticks laying down to judge length. Oh yeah. Yeah. Things that they reach up to, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do. If you can reach that beaver
0: hanging up there in Saskatchewan, that's a dandy, you know? (laughs) Some of those bears might tight rope, tight walk those ropes. I've seen that too. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, I've seen a small boar. I mean, like a two-year-old boar that was just a chunk. And at 200 yards, I would have swore that he was a giant bear because he had itty bitty ears on the side of his yeah. head. Well,
1: lots of fur, right? Oh,
0: he was just all fur balled up yeah. and everything else. We closed the distance, got up close. And I thought, wait a minute, is this a pygmy? You know, he's just a like, like itty bitty, yeah. you know? He's like, Oh yeah. I was like, God, thank God we didn't shoot him at 200 yards. I'd have been really disgusted with myself. He wasn't a cub, but he was a dink, you know? And and he had many years left to grow, you know, hunting over bait, you wouldn't make that mistake or you shouldn't make that mistake. Yep. Spot and stock, you could, you know, and that's where it pays to be seasoned, close the distance, get as close as you can, get as close a look as you possibly can and judge the animal. Yep.
1: And I always say, you know, to anyone I'm talking to about black bear hunts, whether it's your first one or you've done a hundred of them, is the hardest thing about hunting black bears is judging what you want to shoot and what's a shooter and what's not and sores, sows versus boars and all that. It's, it's tough. You can do it for many hunts in a row and still not feel like you're really good at it
0: yeah yeah it's difficult no i agree yeah i agree you know you want to talk about some things that to look for or so whether i'm hunting over bait or if i'm spot and stock hunting i'm going to be looking for different things in a bear right like but the first thing i always look for especially in the spring is hide quality i want to know if this bear's been rubbing especially if i'm in late may early june a lot of those bears come out of the high country and they're not rubbed but you need to look at them. Even in April, you need to look at a bear. See if you didn't pop out early and start rubbing. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much to scratch a bunch mm-hmm. of hair off a bear. Yep. Um, so I look for the rubs. Um, I always look for like that big saggy belly, you know, that mm-hmm. big bear kind of feel. And all as always, you know, little ears on the side of that. Now, I've always said it. When a big bear shows up or when you spot a big bear, it's a no-brainer. It's a big bear. Yep. And if you're trying to make a bear big, he's probably not, not big as enough. big as you think. Yeah. 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 If, if you're having, if you're having to play imaginary things, you know, like looking at a bear going, Ooh, Oh, I think he might be, uh, if yep. you think he might not be big enough, he probably is. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's once again, hair quality, big old saggy belly, big chest, you know? Yep. And then, you know, that the little ears on the side of the head. the other yep. thing I look for also, um, like females tend to have that little narrow snout, you know, yep. and the boars have that big, yep. Big, long, you know, I
1: I first start at the head, you know, looking for a block squared head, you know, shorter muzzle, small ears on the side of its head, like you said. And usually, and it's not, you know, absolute, but usually the bigger boars will have like a crease or like a Y looking crease in the middle of their forehead. The more pronounced that is usually the bigger, the bear, more, more mature it is. And usually more prominent on boars. shorter legs, you know, that. When you said big belly, that kind of thing, short yeah, legs, bellies is,
0: hide the long legs, and yeah. the long legs just get absorbed in fat rolls. <laughs> yep,
1: and that fox looking face is definitely more um, sow, the fox looking face versus a big blockhead. Um, and then the other thing I look for is actually not a physical characteristic; it's more of like behavior. The bigger boars, when they come in, usually if there's any other bears around, they don't want any part of this big this big daddy coming in. Or they'll leave before
0: if they That's start looking. Saying. Yeah, they start looking, Getting nervous. Yeah.
1: like yeah. fuck this, I'm out of here. Like yeah. no good. No, no. Yeah, they're, and if that happens, you better be paying attention because the big boy's about to come in, or he's like close by and yeah. they're
0: just getting nervous. And well, they know when the big ones are around. When Billy Badass is in the neighborhood, yeah, you you know, they'll know, they'll tell you that he's out there somewhere. Kind of happens with deer too. You know, you see see that with the deer. Mm -hmm. So Um,
1: yeah, behavior and physical characteristics. The other thing, if you're trophy hunting and, you know, I don't know the exact stats on this, but it's, I've been told by a lot of black bear guides and I know it to be true on several hunts that I've done that it's one of the harder
0: big game animals in North America to get into the record books, believe it or not. It is yeah. a 21 inch skull. Yep. I have one out of all the bears I've shot. And that's still amazing. You yep. know, to beat the one in a million odds. I've got one that's big enough to go in the all time book, but yeah, I, yep. I would agree. Yep. You know, black bears, mule deer. I mean, you're talking 21 inch skull. If you kill a bear with a 21 inch skull, you've done a one in a million. And, and a 20 inch skull is the three year book, the awards book. Yep. And a 20-inch skull if you ever kill a bear with a 20-inch skull you've truly done something cuz those those bears are rare yep. you know
1: and when i did that um northern alberta hunt a couple years ago on that baited hunt that was awesome um i took a really nice bear there and the guide told me word for word i he was almost guaranteeing that that bear is going to be booked over 20 Right and ended up being like nineteen and three three eighths. And what happens there is they call meatheads, right? Yeah. It looks like a giant no. skull, and but it's not. Well, it could have like a lot of ch- like meat in here, and it just.
0: Yeah, when no Bob good. Milligan and I were talking about that bear, when I shot the grizzly, you know, the big grizz. Yep. W- when we made the move on him, we were like, we both knew. Yeah, you he know was, he's big. We knew he was. Bi- well, the reality was, that if he wasn't a meathead, he we knew he was the buzz yep. loader record, yep. right? He was that big and and that was a comment we made and i think i've even got on film when i picked up his head he goes as long as he isn't a meathead you got the record with yeah. that one you so, knew it yeah. yeah and no meathead there there was no meathead. It was a bonehead yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well hey yeah, we need like to- 21 inch skull like for a black bear it's really hard to find oh yeah uh, needle in a haystack yeah hey we need to take a quick break we need to hear from our sponsors real quick when we be coming right back we're going to keep discussing bear hunting and uh we're going to start talking about some guns and you know, the weapons that we expect people to be taking on some of these trips and what we suggest for archery equipment and other stuff. So we'll be right back with more from the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast. This segment of the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast is sponsored by Bergara Rifles, where the people truly make the difference. Hey everybody, we're back here from the short commercial break and you know, you got to hear from those sponsors every now and then. They're what make this show possible. Back at Clark. Yeah, we're back here at Clark and uh, you know, we're talking about bear hunting and, you know, we've talked about hunting over bait, hunting spot and stock, things of that nature. And, you know, one of the biggest questions I get asked, I got asked this question earlier today by a client, um, what rifle should he take on a hunt? And and he's actually a guy that's uh, going to go on a baited black bear hunt this year. Yep. He's, he's booked to go on a baited hunt. And I, I just asked him, I said, what do you own? You know, that was the first question. He, I, he's like, I have a seven mm eight. I have a three Oh eight. I have a 30 out six. And I was like, well, I would take your thirty out 6 got a little bit more WAP to it. You know, it's the most powerful caliber you have. And I would load it with the 200-grain Swift A-frames. We actually – we call it the Bear, bear hammer. hammer. Yeah, Bear Hammer, you mm-hmm. know, uh, at Pendleton Ammunition. And, you know, and he asked me why. I was like, well, it's a controlled expansion bullet. It's meant to mushroom and hit hard, and you can blow it through both his shoulders. Yep. you know, on a baited hunt, you're 30 to 50 yards away probably. I mean, you could set your rifles, hunters up out to 100 yards. It wouldn't matter. Yep. he's Yeah. That bullet will punch those shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to mushroom and kill them. Um, a Barnes TSX. I told him 200 grain Barnes TSX would be good. The 180 grain bullets will get it done, but yep. if you if you're asking me for the ultimate, I'm going to tell you to go with the 200s and yep. hit them hard. Yep. You know, if he'd had a 300 wind Mag, I'd have probably told him to take 300 wind Mag. I like when I'm bear hunting, I want horsepower, but more important than that, I want shot placement with a controlled expansion bullet. Yep. If someone tells me they don't own anything bigger than a 270, that's fine. 270 with 150 grain controlled expansion, mm-hmm. hard hitting bullet, put it through the front shoulders and kill that bear dead, especially over bait. Yep. You know, your short range, that bear's going to eat all the energy that gun's yep. got.
1: And the reality is you're, one thing I was going to mention earlier of what I like or what's different about hunting, you know, bears in general versus say antler or, or game with horns is that there's an element that you're, you're, you, you are now hunting another predator right? And a dangerous, and, and really the black bear or grizzly, they're dangerous game. And so if something goes wrong, it's always kind of in the back of your mind that you could be getting yourself into a problem that you don't want to. And what you're talking about for me is no guides or hunters want to be tracking down, you know, a wounded bear. That's no good.
0: No, no. And and that's why I tell everybody shoot them in the front shoulders. Yep. If you bust their front shoulders, you're probably going to drop them. But if you don't, they're not going to go far. And if they do go back in their ways, they're not going to have their front arms to be swinging. They're going to be broke down they're going to be far less deadly. They're not going to be able to charge on you as hard. Yep. Um, I'm not saying they can't, but, you know, th- that's the shot placement for me is front shoulders. Yep. I love breaking shoulders on bears. The other thing you get with us broken shoulders, you typically get to at least roll them. And I was tell everybody the same thing, whether you're hunting black bears or grizzly bears, pull the trigger, cycle in the next shell, get ready to shoot. Yep. I mean, don't like boom and then like then, watch in yeah. awe as it runs off. Cycle around, hit him again. Get ready. Yeah. Stay in the scope. I just hit him again. Yep. I mean, taxidermists have lots of needles and thread.
1: That's <laughs> That will fix sure. all
0: those holes. Just, yeah. just keep cycling rounds into that bear. If he's moving, you're shooting, get him dead. Yep. Because there's nothing that you want, you know, at all. You want nothing to do with a wounded bear in the brush. Nope. No um, good. At all. And if it's a, if you're on a grizzly bear hunt, just expect that if that bear's still twitching after you hit him a couple of times, expect your guide to chime in with something big. Yep. Because he is really not wanting to follow that bear into the brush. No, not at all. No. And when I look back at the hunts, the black bear hunts I've
1: done through Steve's Outdoor Adventures is – and I'm kind of partial because I've used that that 200-grain A-frame through the 300 windbag. Um, and when I think back of, of the bears that I've taken, I don't think any of them have gone more than 15 yards or have just dropped in
0: place mm-hmm. with that bear hammer They're ammo. They're blowing so. blood bubbles out their nose when you hit them with those. Yep. The bear hammer ammo is – we made it specifically – to hit hard. And today I was at the range working on kind of the new powder conversions and trying to get a little bit more juice yep. out of that yep. 300 wind mag, mm-hmm. 300 with, wind with mag bullet. Yeah. 300 yep. wind mag, 200 grain Swift A frames. I was pushing right at 2,900 yep. feet per second. Dude, that's a, that's a lot of energy. Boom. Boom. Yeah. I'm going to tighten that one up tomorrow. So Pendleton Amo going to have just a touch. It's even going to get a little better for you. You yep. know, can't wait to use it again yeah, this spring. Yeah. Another thing I like to tell everybody is this, when you go on a baited bear hunt, you know, especially if you have a rifle, don't take binoculars. Yep. Don't. If a bear comes in, look at him in your scope. And don't be that guy that shows up for a hunt at 30 to 75 yards with a 5 to 25 Texas Hill Country, super tall turret scope. Make sure you've got like a 1 to 5, a 2 to 10, a 3 to 9 at most in my book. I know you've taken the Eliminator with the 4 to 16. To me, that's the top end of the scope you want. I mean, you took that one because you get the lit aiming point. Yep. In low light, that's it's real good. nice. Yep. Yeah. Especially low light with a black target, right? You know, yeah. 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 Totally. But I like low magnification. I like to keep that magnification out because if that bear ends up at fifteen or twenty yards, if you have a five six you know minimum magnification range mm-hmm. on your scope, what are you shooting at? You're just shooting at hair somewhere. And that's not good. You, you could hit that bear anywhere and and that's just not good at all. Yep. Yep. So. I just thought of something that I wanted to make
1: sure I talked about or brought up today. And it's, it can be for spot and stock hunts. I mean, it could be for any black bear hunts, but basically ones that we book is what I noticed, especially on some, some guys or gals that go on these hunts that maybe haven't done a lot of black bear hunts is they, sh- they have a tendency to shoot something very early in the hunt that if they had a little more patience, and let some some bears come in or you know, ask some more questions with the guides when they come back at night and make sure, you know, that they could have a better quality of hunt or possibly get even a more mature
0: bear. Oh yeah. I mean patience. Yeah. Patience is always the name of the game. There's no sense being in a hurry. Like you said, you're you're you've got a controlled environment, right? You've yeah. got bears coming to you. It's easy to get excited and pull the trigger. And it I mean, let's face it, if you shoot a nice bear on the first night of your hunt. No problem, as long yep. as you're happy with it. Exactly. But my advice has always been to people, be patient. See what's out there. Talk to your guide. See what's on the trail cameras. Yep. You know, the guides are running trail cameras. They'll tell you, hey, there's five or six different bears using this bait. Look for this great big one. He's got a white blaze on his chest or something. Talk to your guide. Have open communication with your guide. He'll tell you what's coming or going. Yep. And, and just be patient and enjoy it. Remember, if you tag something on the first night, you're not going to get to spend two, three, four more nights sitting in there Watching bears come in, yeah, you know, seeing them walk around, you're you're tagged out and done at that point in time. Yeah. And one enjoy thing it.
1: that I really enjoy about hunting in general is just the connection to nature. And on these hunts, as you're talking or I'm thinking, one thing that just keeps coming back to me is and I don't want to use the word entertainment because it's it, that's devaluing what's your what's happening there. Because it's no, much, but it is entertaining to
0: watch those bears come in and roll around. And, yeah, and just their yeah.
1: behavior and what you witness. I remember. You know, Raymond, uh, one of our camera guys and I are in a baited hunt in Saskatchewan. And, and after it, he, he looks at me and goes, we have like national geographic footage for like hours. Yeah. I mean, just what we were witnessing from cubs to fights to stealing food or just like, like, it's so cool what you get to connect, you know, through nature with nature on watching what these bears behave like. It's awesome. Have you had a
0: bear come up the tree with you yet? I have. Yeah. It's really? pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just it. You get to, like you say, connect with nature. But once again, on the first night of the hunt, if you shoot a bear, it's just a good bear, you know. Then yeah. you're not out there to have a bear climb up a tree with you. And or experience more stuff. Yeah, or yeah. come up and peek through the side of your ground blind or whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a great opportunity to get close to wildlife and and connect with the animals. And, um you know, and to me, that's a big part of the hunt. I agree. You know, we have a lot of clients also that archery hunt. And over bait, that is you know, the, the number one, I would say. I mean, we have some spot and stock archery guys, but the reality is is that a lot of hunters now want to take their archery equipment north. It's easier to travel into Canada with archery equipment. You have to get a gun permit and all that stuff. Um, you know, one of the things I like to talk to people about is what they're taking for equipment. You know, a bear hide is thick. A bear has bigger muscle structure mm-hmm. and their bone mass is bigger and things of that nature. I'm not saying your average whitetail rig isn't good enough, but if I'm bear hunting, I want a little bit heavier arrow, beef it up a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to be shooting a heavier arrow and fixed broadhead. You know, I'll tell you what, I know there's a whole bunch of expandable broadhead people out there that are going to cringe when I say this, but I've never been a big fan of them. Yeah. Um, I know that they're better now than they were years back when they first came out on the market. i absolutely hated them. I know they're performing better now. There's a lot of people that swear by them, so I'm not going to condemn them to the to the bottom of the pit anymore. But what I will say is this. Fixed blade broadheads don't fail to open, mm-hmm. you know. Um They tend to perform better if you smash a bone by accident, things of that nature. Um, I started using, like, the Montex uh, myself. Yeah, I've um, used the G5s. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, another great, I mean, just. Fixed blade broadheads are are hard to beat in my opinion, and you know as long as you feel confident in your equipment and and you feel like when you hit that bear that big thick furry hide, mm-hmm. you're not going to have this thing prematurely open up yep. or fail to penetrate right. And just think about it before you show up, because I know that other people have had some issues with archer Hunter showing up with like super light arrows small expandables and they don't get the penetration they need. Yep. Get an arrow that goes in three, four inches, even at 30 yards, they're used to passing through little white tailed deer. And all of a sudden they got a big old 400 pound black bear in front of them. Yep. And it's like whack. And, um, you know, I remember years ago and I think it was Ted Nugent that, um, was explaining this to me. He said, shoot a box of sand with a light, fast arrow and expandable broadhead. And see what happens. Yeah. He said, and then shoot, a big heavy arrow with a fixed blade broadhead into the same box of sand and see which one goes in furthest and which one has the most kinetic yep. energy. Yeah, And it's a fixed blade heavy broadhead. You don't need speed to kill a bear. A bear isn't going to jump the string. It's not a white-tailed deer. You know, a big, heavy, slow arrow will go all the way through a bear. Yep. I, mean, well, it's, I mean, I just, I like big, heavy stuff. I want things that are going to hit hard. I you know, and, and while I say that rifle hunters should shoot bears right in the shoulders. Of course, archery hunters should not. Yeah, I personally think an archery hunter's best shot is to wait till you get that Broadside. quartering away. I like quartering away. I want to aim for the opposite shoulder, shoulder yeah. yeah, right into that opposite shoulder. Get lung. Yeah, I want those lungs. I yeah. want the vitals. And, uh, I mean, if you don't get the quartering away, tuck it in tight behind the shoulder and send it all the way through, you kill them still. So, yep. um, But a quartering away aim for the opposite shoulder is kind of ideal for me. Yep. So, There's also, you know, muzzleloader hunters. Oh yeah, crossbow in some cases. Oh man, crossbows. I mean, I mean, and most of your crossbow guys, it seems like they're shooting the expandables. But I mean, good lord, they're sending a even a heavy arrow now is three hundred and seventy-five to four hundred feet Just per second. second. Yeah, Sometimes is, more. Yeah, I mean, they're smoking them yeah. out there. So I mean, so the crossbow hunters are in their muzzleloader hunters. I'll tell you what, they may have the most deadly combination of powder and bullet. I mean, you shoot a four hundred and five grain power belt copper bullet at. I don't know what the speed would be, but it's got to be 17, 1800 feet, feet per se. Yeah. yeah. Just stuff that with 150 grains of powder and lay one out. I yeah, mean, hammer down, mm-hmm. you know, you know, talking about hunting with the muzzle you know, my very first bear with a muzzle was actually in Southeast British Columbia out in your old stopping yep, grounds, yep. you know, the Kootenays. And, uh, you know, I, I was loaded with a round. I wouldn't carry now for bear. Um, I knew that I would need to shoot, 150 200 yards, so I didn't go with the 405s. My, that's the bullet I killed the grizzly with. You know, I really want something that's faster and flatter shooting. And so I was shooting these uh 100 or excuse me, 250 grain uh, power belt bullets, yep. and I had 150 grain powder charge by them, they there, fast and flat. And and I, I killed that bear better in a doornail. Um, I thought. I mean, I smoked him. He dropped like a pile of rocks. Felt and good about the shot. I felt great yeah. about the shot. Got up there and he's still alive. I had to pop him again. Um. You know, and that's why I say I would probably shoot a different bull. Now the bullet went in, he was dead for all intents and purposes, but I think the 270 grain, uh, power about platinum bullet is a better bullet than the, the one that I was shooting. shooting that, yep. Yeah. Which was the arrow light. Mm-hmm. I arrow lights a great deer bullet, but the platinum is a better bear bullet mm-hmm. for sure. Um, in you know, in hunting for spot and stock, you know, which we'll get into after this next break, uh, you want to have faster and flatter shooting. So with muzzle loaders, I'm always cautious as to what I'm advising someone to take. If you're hunting over bait, 405s, love those 405s, big heavies. And if you're hunting spot and stock, I think the 270 grain aero lights with a nice big powder charge and flatter shooting. So yep. cool. Well, now that we've covered bows and muzzleloaders and rifles, crossbows, air yeah, cross hammer ammo. Yeah, you know, bear hammer. You know, don't forget the slingshot. Um, yeah. You know, we definitely need to take another break. Uh, we got here hear from another one of our sponsors. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about spot and stock hunting and the different places that we've experienced some of the best spot and stock hunting in North America. This segment of the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast is sponsored by Burris Optics. Find what matters. <laughs> hey, we're back from that short commercial break here at the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast. We're talking about black bear hunting. So far, we've talked about hunting over bait. Uh, we've talked about all the different styles of hunting. We've talked about the weapons that we use and the weapons that we recommend that our clients use Judge, uh, judging bears, we yeah, judging bears, you know, but, but now we need to talk about spot and stock hunting. Now this is my personal wheelhouse, right? This yeah. is my favorite. I don't have the patience to ever bait, but I love to spot and stock hunt. And, you know, for black bears, we're hunting spot and stock in Alaska, uh, and British Columbia. British Columbia yeah. yeah. That's that. We have other places we can hunt you know, by spot and stock, But the reality is those are the two biggies. Now you're getting into big coastal bears or the coastal mountain ranges. Some of the biggest bears in North America are taken out of British Columbia. Big genetics. Yeah. Good food, food sources. Well, especially like coastal Alaska, coastal British Columbia, they're eating salmon in the summer and fall. You know, and these are things that contribute to big damn bears. Right. And, you know, there's different ways to hunt by spot and stock. Let's start with Alaska. Now we have mountain hunts for black bears that we can put together. A lot of guys don't choose those. Typically, if someone hunts a black bear in Alaska, they're on a grizzly hunt in the spring or fall and they happen upon a black bear and they yeah, have a tag. Just an for extra it. tag in their pocket kind of thing. Yeah. Totally. It's not that I wouldn't recommend doing them. There's just not for everybody. Mm-hmm. But when you go, and not only that's because you don't have big black bear densities in places, you know, um, there's places you can hunt over bait in coastal regions and you're going to see a lot of bears. But my favorite way to hunt in Alaska is by boat. Take the boat out, get offshore, um, anchor up. You can glass miles of shoreline, jump in skiffs, cruise the shorelines, look for lots of bears. Yep. In the springtime, the bears come to shore, right? The, back in the timber, the grass hasn't greened up yet. The sun hasn't got in there, and they're eating grass. They're, they're eating what, like, I don't know, we've always called it sedge grass. But they also walk the shorelines rolling rocks. There's a little crab that live underneath yep. the rocks. There's dead fish that wash up on shore bugs, all kinds of stuff. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, when you look at like a, 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 coastline in Alaska, it's a smorgasbord of dead shit rolling yep. up on shore all the time and bears love to eat it. Like mm-hmm. they'll lick it. They'll get maggots off of something. I mean, the scavengers, right? You know, bears the are disgusting animals, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> they have a very open palate. And yeah. uh, you know, so when you're talking about black bear hunting uh, in coastal Alaska, if to me, we're talking about going out on the boat. Cause you see a lot of bears you are generally going to be successful. Yep. We do some archery, but for the most part, most guys are going with a the rifle. Yep. Um, these are bears that have big fat rolls on them. I mean, I really like a 30 caliber, bigger bullet on yep. those bears. I um, think what's really special about that specific hunt is you also get the maritime
1: experience as well as the black bear hunting, right? There could be some fishing opportunities. So you have this beautiful scenery. You're in Alaska, you're, you're on a boat Oh yeah. It's really cool.
0: Well, you're going to see killer whales and humpies and you're going to see, you know, sea lions and everything out there. I mean, the, the maritime experience is far more than what you're hunting. Uh, It's, it's just a lot more than what you're hunting. It's a, it's an all around experience. And, you know, and and on a spring trip, you might get to come home with a 50 pound box of halibut and some other bottom fish. Uh, You might get to to come home with a, a seven foot black bear uh, you might get a Boone and Crockett skull up there. It's going to be more, the closer you get to coastal areas, typically the bigger the skulls are going to be just genetically. Yep. Um, but yeah, you get that all around experience. When we talk about hunting big bears, I I mean, to me, I mean, and I know that we have a a special client named Susan in North Carolina. It swears yep. to God the biggest black bears in North America are in North Carolina. And I'm going to find out this year. Is I'm going to go out there and do a hunt, and we're going to film it, and bring it to the Steve's Outdoor adventure television series, and I'll be able to report back on this podcast when I get back if the biggest bears in North America are really in North Carolina, but coastal British Columbia. At one time, I always thought the Queen Charlotte's were the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I killed a tank of a bear in the Charlotte's, yep, um, which is now called something else, I believe, Haida Gwaii. Yep, yep, and there's no hunting there now. The yep. the Haida. Bought the hunting concession on the Queen Charlotte's and shut it they, down. Yep, they no longer bear hunt there, which to me is stupid, but I guess that's their sacred thing. Yep, whatever spins their wheel. But when you go to the coastal area, we book a lot of hunters to coastal BC cruising, logging roads. Yep. Oh man,
1: and one thing I get a lot of feedback from clients that do that is the amount of ground they cover, which
0: translates into
1: the number of bears
0: they see, is Lots
1: can be bears. a lot.
0: Yep. Yeah, a lot of bears to be, unless it's a super hot spring where you've got daytime highs in the 80s, the 85s, yep. you know, as long as you've got your standard, you know, 50, 60 degree spring days, your evenings are spent looking at a ton of bears. Yep. Yeah. And you can be selective, like we talked earlier about. The know, guides are, patience. well, that's the difference. When you're sitting over bait, you're alone. When you're on a spot in stock hunt with your guide in British Columbia, your guide is with you. Yep. And your guide is going to tell you, this is a big bear. We need or to this get this is on not it. a big yeah. bear. Yeah. yeah. Shoot this bear. Mm-hmm. If, if your guide tells you, shoot this bear, you should probably get excited. Yep, and those hunts are fun, right? It's good
1: accommodations, good food. Yeah. It's just a good time. It's relaxed and very gentlemanly. Yep, not
0: overly difficult physically. You're not getting up at three o'clock in the morning to beat something to the dark timber. You're literally waking up mid morning because yep. you're getting in at eleven. You're eating eleven to midnight and yep. going to bed. I mean, you're sleeping till nine or ten o'clock and rolling out, eating some lunch, whatever. You yep. know, you're just relaxing and enjoying yourself. And then you're going out for the evening hunt. It's a very gentlemanly type. I'm not saying it's not out there for the the ladies. You yeah. know, it's always been that that style of those gentleman style hunt. Yeah. So, um but yeah, your impact. your
1: schedule completely change on black bear hunts. Oh yeah, yeah. You're up late, and if you like in skinning sheds or if you kill a bear, you it's not uncommon to be up until two a.m. and then you're sleeping until ten in the morning. And oh yeah. yeah, the
0: guides the guides really have it rough. Yeah, yeah, big time and. Um, I've been, I remember one time I woke up and a guy and brush climb by the name of Blair. I went out to the. I just happened to look out there. It was like one or two o'clock in the morning. He was out there salting hides, you know, he's busting his butt in the middle of the night, yeah. you know, to get these hides salted, to preserve the trophies. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, the coastal BC to me, coastal BC is probably our best trophy bear hunt right now. Yep. And it's not, I mean that one year we averaged seven foot bears and we take a f- every year knock on Clark knock on Clark we get four or five 20 inch skulls a year. Yep. I mean it's that that is the big skull area for us. Yep. yep. So um, you know and it's a hunt anybody can enjoy. Realistically, both the boat-based hunt in Alaska and the and the vehicle-based coastal hunt in British Columbia are both hunts that anyone of any physical capabilities can enjoy. Yep. Yep, I, I agree. I, I believe that. There's also the the
1: the horseback wilderness, you know, backcountry style too, spot and stock. Yeah. That's really really fun. If you want that ultimate adventure and challenge yourself a little more physically and get in that horseback experience and beautiful terrain. We also offer those,
0: you know, that trip, when I filmed that with Rick Kruder and I yep. talked about that in our podcast, Rick had never got a bear before, and Then we, when he got that bear that, I mean, there's only some areas where you can do that hunt reliably. That area has got a lot of bears. Yep. They get those slides in the spring and yep. I, I've always enjoyed that hunt. So yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're an adventure hunter, if you're someone who wants to go out and experience, kick-ass you know beautiful traditional, terrain yeah, yeah. traditional backcountry hunting experience i mean and i'm glad you brought that because that had slipped my mind and i'm ashamed that it did because that is a spectacular place to go bear hunting yeah and a great way to just be out there connecting with nature you're yep. gonna see grizzlies and eagles yep. and elk and moose and, and I, I tell mean, people when I talk to
1: them about this hunt that call in. I tell them it's worth the price of admission just to go do the hunt even if you don't kill a bear. It's that much of a cool experience.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, you know, one last thing I really wanted to chat about especially in the Spot and Stock arena is you know, most of our Spot and Stock hunters are going to be rifle hunters. Yeah. They're because you've got to be prepared to shoot one, two, maybe even 300 yards. I mean, we've had guys shoot bears at longer distances, like up in BC. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, you know, once again, always controlled expansion bullets. Um, but I get asked a lot, like, what's a favorite caliber to take? I mean, and the reality is that your standard 30-06 will get it done. Yep. 300 wind mag is my favorite. I agree. I'm getting pretty hot on this 300 PRC. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fast, flat, and heavy. A seven mag will get it done. Yep. On black bears, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And you know, if you're if you, as long as you can hit the animal and you've got a seven mag, three or mag, thirty out six, um, I still think a two seventy is a little light for spring bear in my opinion. But if that's all you've got, take it and use it. But use a like a hundred and fifty grain yeah. like controlled expense. like Some an guides frame. will say that's about the minimum. That I, or I, above. I know a lot of guides that will definitely draw the line at a two seventy. Yeah. Um but a 30 caliber's more preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, if you it, and if you're going on the horseback hunt, make sure once again that you don't show up with some twenty-six inch barrel Texas Hill Country, you know, five to twenty-five with a three-inch turret on top of it, because it isn't gonna fit in the scabbard. Yeah. You know, choose a rifle that is applicable to the hunt you're going on. If you're spotting stock hunting, you gotta have a rifle that's light enough to sling across your back and we're putting your every stock yep. back and climb hills and and do all stuff or slide in a scabbard. If you're hunting over bait. You can show up with a cannon if you want to, but mm-hmm. once again, I think short, fast, and compact is easier. I agree. And make sure your scope is is relative. But you know, I know you're big on the 300 wind Mag. You I like am. that? I you, love it. Yeah, you, yeah. But I'm partial. You are. You've counted a lot of coup with it. Yeah. I've started hunting more with the 300 PRC. Um, I like that Highlander rifle. That's what we're going to hunt with this year. Is the Highlanders? Sure. Cool. Um I really I like that Premier Series Highlander rifle. That that Bergara brand is is hot right now. It's damned accurate. Yep. And of course all of our ammunition's developed in the Bergara. So um we know it performs. Well yeah, we know exactly where it's gonna hit yeah. when we send it out. So um but yeah, I I you know, once again, I like for this year, if I get to go you know, spring bear hunting, I've got the three hundred PRC with a three point three to eighteen XTR three, thirty-four millimeter tube. Why? low light lots of light collection um i feel confident i mean i shot a deer last year with that rifle at 600 yards and it was a columbia blacktail that was mm-hmm. about the size of a labrador yeah and small I've, small target i'm totally confident with that gun i'll send it yeah. at any moment you know but on a bear i want to be closer um lots of energy you know johns hunting with a 300 win mag in the highlander yeah. he's shooting those 180 grain ttsxs um, if he gets to go bear, like when he goes after his bear, he's going to be shooting bear Two, hammer 200, 200. Yep. Yep. And you know, and then like I said, we we're going to set you up with the eliminator. I was going to put the eliminator four on that Highlander this year. Cause I know you're big on the eliminators. Like I am, yep. um, get you something spoiled. Oh man. Yeah. Nothing like <laughs> it's hard to get button. away from them. Well, you just hit the button. It gives you the range and a, an aiming point and you send it regardless yeah. of distance. You just pick and go. Um, so, you know, you get your lady aiming point, you know, yeah. To to me, that is the ultimate hunting scope, and my other Highlander will have an Eliminator Four on it because I want to hunt with one a lot more this year. For you, I guess, if you, I mean, if you had your druthers, would it always be the three hundred Win Mag for you? If I if I had the choice, my answer'd probably be yes. Although,
1: I will add the caveat that I'm like when I played softball, right? Like when I was younger and was. uh, was not just pitching, but was also, um, hitting at the time, I would be someone that would stick with one bat once I found one and just get to love and, and know, and just become one with that, with that tool. Right. So I'm more of a guy who would, once I find something, I want to stick with it and really get to know it and not have to think about anything and not have to learn anything else. Cause I love it. I know it performs, but, um, for what I do in this industry, it's, it's going to behoove me to, go after and use other equipment that I know that. And I am definitely more than willing to, to go in out of that spectrum, but I am very partial to 300 Win mags.
0: Well, and, and especially with bear hunting, it's big, yeah. it's got lots of energy. It's going to hit hard and it's going to knock something on its ass. Yep. So, no doubt. I'll tell you what, we got to take one more break here. And when we come back, we're going to discuss spring versus fall hunting. Cause we get asked that question a lot, all the time, uh, all the time. And it's a pretty simple answer for me every single time. So we'll be right back from this short commercial break. This segment of the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast is sponsored by Marathon Seat Covers. We've got you covered. All right, we're back here at Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast. We're talking about black bear hunting. We've covered a lot of the topics and questions that we get asked at Steve's Outdoor Adventures all the time. And to wrap the show up, there's a couple of big questions that we get asked. That we save for last, and the first and foremost question that always comes to mind for me is: Everybody wants to know, should they hunt the spring or the fall? fall yeah, yeah. And my answer every single time is this: Hunt the damn spring. Yep. The bears are more active then. Big bears are nocturnal in the fall. They're nocturnal enough in the spring. Yep. But in the fall, they're super nocturnal, unless you're on a salmon stream hunt in Alaska. The fall hunts are not worth doing to me. I I, I'm not booking people on beta bear hunts in the fall because you've got natural food sources. You've got acorns, berries and all that other stuff. What I was just going
1: to say is bears are always in search of food. I mean, that's just what they do. Yeah. And so when they come out of hibernation in some places, they're, they're just a little bit easier to track and pattern and understand when they're going to certain food sources. And I think it's more narrow and they're more focused in the spring
0: and it's it, just easier to. It's a lot. Well, and once again, big boars—the ones that hunters are targeting—are more active in the springtime. Yep. They're you're you're gonna f- cooler weather. Yeah. I mean, it just no matter what, you're always gonna. And then the response back from everybody is, "Is yeah, but aren't they bigger in the fall? Yeah. They're or, heavier. Yeah. They just got belly fat. That's it. Yeah. They're they've just got belly fat. It doesn't make them a bigger bear, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Their skull isn't any bigger. Yep um you know one thing about the fall you know early spring and any time in the fall you've always got a full coat right you don't have the rubs and stuff like that so if there was one upside but but really there's a reason why 99.9% of the time we push people to book their fall hunts is exactly yeah. or excuse me spring hunts is exactly that the fall hunts are just not nearly as successful the bear hunting is you're going to kill more immature bears cuz they're less nocturnal yep yeah. you're going to kill a lot fewer bigger boars yep. because they are moving primarily. At night. And here's the other thing. It gives you something to do
1: during the off season, which is the spring, right? Why
0: would you mess with your yeah, antler? Why put them season? together. If you, if you don't, don't have mess to. with elk season, yeah, that's exactly. all I've got to say. Now, if you can buy a black bear tag while you're on an elk hunt yep. or a moose hunt or something else. Awesome. Yep. Hunt them in incidental to something else. That way, if you don't get one, you're only out the cost of yep. the tag. And here's the other reality is in this, in the fall,
1: if you're looking to do a guided hunt, most of most all outfitters, especially in bear, area, bear areas, are guiding other things. And to your point, it's, it's you know, have an extra tag in your pocket rather than a focused hunt. And they're also doing those hunts in the spring. Why not take advantage of that time frame and be able to hunt other things in the fall?
0: Yeah. Now, if you're at home, like like here in Oregon, Northeast Oregon, we've got a great fall bear season. opens August 1st. And if there's nothing else going on and you can access the mountains and go back black bear hunting... Yeah. Go hit the blueberry patches. Go see what you can find. I mean, I'm not saying don't go bear hunting in the fall, fall. but if you're calling me to spend money on a guided hunting trip, I'm going to advise you to go when your odds are the highest, your chances of success are the highest on the best possible bears. And that's every single time going to be the spring.
1: I agree. hundred percent.
0: So, all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I also get asked a lot about, you know, the meat on a bear hunt and, you know, do you eat it? Do you take it with you? Like what happens with all of that? And, you know, I've, and, and everybody has a different palate and different taste for all kinds well, of big game. It's, meat, right? relative. So, it's relative to where you get the bear. Well, that too. And what they're yeah. eating. Totally. And so I, you know, I've had bear meat and uh, I actually enjoy it. It depends on how it's prepared. It depends on what they're eating. But the reality is if you want it, take it. I well, mean, without it's, a doubt. It's. There's a lot of people that will not kill anything, something I should say, unless they are able to eat it. And that, that I totally agree with kudos to them. I mean,
0: that the kill it and grill it community is, you know, growing and large. Yeah. I mean, you know, I throw this out there all the time, like Cameron Haynes, meat eater, you know, Steven Yeah, they have done a great job of setting the bar very high for the rest of us in the hunting community to eat what you hunt. If you're going to kill an animal, you should eat it. Now, if you hunt a coastal brown bear, even they don't eat those. I'm sure they don't because they're nasty. Yeah. I mean, if a bear lives on salmon through the late summer and, and the fall, it's no, nasty. No good, yeah. It's nasty. Yeah. But, but if, if a, you, you get a black bear, bear eating berries
1: Or, yep, they're you know dandelions or onions or whatever it may be that they're eating. Acorns, like you said earlier, it's... Yeah. They're fun. We just tenderized it. We breaded
0: it, fried it in oil. It's awesome. Wow. It's like finger steaks. It's how you take care of it in the field though. Yep. When you get the bear down, you get it field dressed, you get it cared for, you get the hide off of it. You get the fat off of it. Yep. You gotta get that fat That's what gives off. that flavor that people yeah.
1: quote unquote call gamey. It's, oh, it, it's all in yeah. the
0: fat. Well, not only that, bear fat, you fry it up in the house, it might run you out. <laughs> I mean, you might have to sell your home afterward. Yeah. Or at least get a divorce. And you've got you know, this, this thick hide, especially in the fall, when you get those fall bears that have a bunch of fat on, I'm not saying we book a lot of those once again, but you know, you get a bear in the fall, that has got a bunch of fat on him. If you don't get that off, it's going to taint that meat. It's going to give it that bear gamey flavor that you were talking about yeah. in the spring. You get a bear with that fat on it, get that fat off, you know, get the fat off of that. A lot of people make like tallow and like lard. And what, I mean, I've read lots of articles and yep. guys use that fat but if you're just after the bear meat, get that fat off. After you skin it, get the fat off of that bear, make your steaks, make your yep. burgers and stuff like that. Because yep. honestly, it really is good meat if you shoot it in the right places. Yep. You know, Get a mountain bear, get an interior bear, bear that's never seen salmon. It's probably going to be delicious. I know a lot of people out there that compare it to you know, like a just a slightly gamier version of beef. If I was gonna yeah. say the same thing, yeah. yeah.
1: The other thing I get asked a lot about is especially on Canada hunts, even though the border's closed is, you know, how do I get a weapon across the border or how do I get the meat back or the hide in the skull? And the reality is it's very simple, provided that you're prepared, right? There's just a few forms you have to have, um, and just follow a few rules and you don't have any legal issues in your current country, it's not a
0: problem. Yeah. Traveling mm-hmm. with a gun is a lot easier than people think. Yeah. And no, you're not going to just land in Canada, get your bag, and walk in. You're, you're going to have to go through the, customs. Well, 15 to twenty minutes, thirty minutes. I mean, that's why we book people's flights and give them two hours when they land there. Yep. But you just go through the process. Be yep. prepared, like you're saying. There's a Canadian
1: form you fill out in triplicate. Have it ready to go. Yeah. Right? It's that straightforward. You pay twenty five bucks if it still is for your yeah. to bring your rifle in. Then you have a U.S. form, forty four fifty seven, so you can bring
0: it home. And, yep. and if you want to bring your bear hide back with you. Your bear skull. There's right. some paperwork you have yep, to do. Yeah, you just declare
1: it, and there's the meat. Same yep, thing. There's you don't pay anything. You just they come out and check, make sure that you have what you say you have is what you have, and they check your license and your tags,
0: and you're on your way. It's really easy. It truly is. Yep. You know, bear hunting is something that has always been a big part of Steve's outdoor adventures, whether it be the television series or our bookings, and we've spent our entire careers. You know, working with the outfitters and guides, our partners in the industry, our clients, um, it's it's probably one of the most successful portions of our business. I would yeah, agree. it just seems like ninety nine point nine percent of our clients get their bears yep. uh, because we're very selective about when and where our clients go hunting, and it's an opportunity to get in the field in the spring uh, at a time when you're not going to be you know wishing you were elk hunting instead. Uh, you've probably got cabin fever by the time you get to May or June, and it's time to get in the field. And for me personally, it's, it it is a, a place that I can go. And I say a place because it doesn't matter where it is. If I'm bear hunting in the spring, it's someplace that I can go and get in the field, you know, smell the dandelions, breathe fresh air, not be in the office for a week and truly enjoy myself and get a chance to hunt an animal that is a lot warier than people think and test my wits with them, climb the mountains Hike the shorelines, whatever it might be, but I'm not in in the house. I'm not sitting around wishing it was hunt, fall hunting season. It's it's the time to get in the field. Yeah. So I yeah. I, I I urge everyone to get out there and experience it. I agree it. completely. And
1: if you have any questions, you know, give me or Steve a call and we'll answer them for you. But for me, it's like I said earlier in the podcast, it's that connection to nature and being a part of and witnessing their behavior as an animal. Like what I've seen out there, it's just, it's embedded in my brain forever. And it's just crazy how much I've seen with, you know, fighting cubs jumping out of trees or just, I mean, crazy stuff, a a bear coming up my tree and, and, you know, a cub being less than 12 inches from the back of my head. And, you know, it's just the, what you experience is it's just amazing. And I'll, I'll just always love bear
0: hunting and can't wait to do the next one. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast here and, you know, I want to, Make sure that we extend out to everybody. Once again, if you have any questions about bear hunting or any other big game hunting or fishing trips in North America or around the world, give our office call. Travis and I are available. To take your calls. Answer your questions. You can reach us at 1-800-303-1304, or you can go to the website steveshunts.com, and you can get a lot of information there. I'd also like to uh, extend a, a big thank you out to our sponsors, Bergara Rifles, burris optics company marathon seat covers and then of course the companies that we own you know pendleton ammunition far wide outdoors uh you know for anybody out there that uses like onyx and base map one of our upcoming podcasts we're going to be recording with our partner in far wide he's the founder of far wide outdoors it's a free app for everybody uh you know far wide's coming on strong and we can hardly wait till everyone out there is using this free app um But, uh, you know, Pendleton Ammunition, the Adventure Armory, you know, these are brands that make it possible for us to have the podcast and the TV series, and we thank all of our partners in the industry. Until next time, you know, get in the field, enjoy yourselves. It's almost spring. Go get a bear tag or, if you must, a turkey tag. Stay in shape. (laughs) Work out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't add that COVID-30 like I did. Stay in shape. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the Steve's Outdoor Adventures podcast. This segment of Steve's Outdoor Adventures is sponsored by the Far Wide App. Outdoor intelligence in the palm of your hand.